Well, I want to welcome you as well to Trinity this morning. It's great to be with you, and uh, I'm Peter Salmon. I'm our lead pastor here, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. So you can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. The story of Jesus calling his disciples is kind of where we've been focusing on in this season. Jesus um, said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fish for people. And so in this season, we're following Jesus. We're learning from Jesus. We're uh, practicing being his disciples and imitating him, learning how he loved people, learning how he ministered to people and called people to follow him who weren't following him yet up to that point. And this is a big season of vision for our church as well. We're in a campaign called Everyone Every Day where we are doubling down on being a movement of disciples who make disciples, everyone every day, and we're asking God to lead us in the kinds of commitments that he's calling us to make in this season so we can continue to move forward in that. And um, as a church, um, it's pretty obvious if you've been around here for a few months or a few years, it's pretty obvious that we're growing rapidly as a church. Uh, Last Sunday was our highest attended uh, service we've ever had on a Sunday morning other than an Easter Sunday and uh, just last Sunday. And that's, you know, it's the Lord working in our midst. I think just as God has blessed this church um, with a vision for impacting our community, as God has just worked in our hearts, given us a love for the people around us. Um, and there's so many here that are, are here because there's someone in your life that uh, just loved you enough to share um, what Jesus has done in their life with you. And that's why you're here this morning. And we praise God for that. Uh, and we praise God for so many who have come just saying, you know, we're already believers, but have just saying, you know what, I want to be a part of a church that's preaching the gospel. I want to be a part of a church that's preaching the Bible unapologetically. I want to be a part of a church where there's an ability to get connected and there's a vision for, you know, living out this picture of discipleship that Jesus gave us where it happens in relationship. And we say over and over here that, you know, God designed this for relationship with him and for relationship with others. And uh, that's kind of our DNA. That's what we bleed here at Trinity. And so we, um, we just uh, love the opportunity to welcome so many people um, to be a part of our church in the last year or so. Over the last year, we've had 100 people come to a Next Steps class at Trinity. And uh, so many just wanting to, to connect. And um, it's, it's just a blessing and a privilege to be part of a, a church that's being faithful to the Lord, faithful to his word, and a church that just God's, God's blessing and a people that are living out the mission of Jesus. But we want to take that vision deeper and call everyone to be a part of that. We want to take that vision deeper and say, Hey, what would it look like if every single one of us was equipped to be an everyday, ordinary fisher of men? What is the potential of what God might do in us and through us in our community? And so in this season, we're asking people to prayerfully consider two commitments. Uh, One is just a relational commitment, to have at least one person in your life that God's put on your heart that you're carrying that, that burden for, that they're uh, not walking with Jesus yet, but you're praying for them, and you're sharing life with them, and along the way, you're helping them in their journey of discovering Jesus. We're asking everyone to, to begin praying right now and asking God, who, who are those people around me that you're putting on my heart to, to pray for, to intercede for, to live and share life with, to get in the boat with, we talked about last week. 
And then um, secondly, we're, we're asking people to prayerfully consider how God might lead them to, to make a financial commitment over the next two, two and a half years through uh, December 2025 um, so that we can continue to move forward as a movement of disciples who make disciples and be free to follow where God leads in the future. The realities of the kind of uh, growth we've had, we've had to uh, you know, respond with expanding our facilities, and God's just blessed us to be able to, you know, two years ago, opening up something brand new in our community that through just faith and um, terrifying courage, uh, be able to step forward and build something right in the middle of COVID and open up something new in our community that so many people, you know, have been able to connect with us over the past year, year and a half, and um, and, and, and now we have another season where we're saying, hey, we need to expand and add parking. Uh, we thought we could hold off on that parking lot for three to five years or so, and, but we grew a lot faster than we anticipated. Praise God for that. Um, but we're coming back and finishing that. I think there's curbs. Um, so there's progress. There's curbs now. That's great. And uh, <laughs> we're slowly getting there. Um, and, and with that, we want to come back around and finish what we started four years ago by finishing up some other, you know, smaller projects around our facilities just to kind of get everything um, updated where it needs to be. And then uh, coming back around and paying off the, the third uh, that's remaining of our uh, previous project. We've been blessed and just the fantastic generosity of our people to pay off two-thirds of our previous project and now coming back around and, and finishing off that last third so we can be freed up. Um, in the next couple years here. So with that, we're just asking you again to be, be able to, to pray and consider how the Lord might lead you to give. That first, that relational commitment of, as we've called it, having a one in your life, and then that second part, that financial commitment of saying over the next two years, above and beyond my current giving, you know, we don't want to shortchange missions or our operating fund, but above and beyond how the Lord's blessed me up to this point um, to give, I want to be able to give towards this need. And so it's, it's just been so fun. Over the last week, uh, I've eaten some fantastic desserts. Uh, <laughs> but more importantly, I've been able to just uh, meet with some uh, just fantastic folks from our church who are just engaged, asking great questions, uh, excited to come together and be a part of this movement of everyone every day. And so um, that's just been super fun. Uh, six dessert nights over the past week got eight more coming up, including tonight, and uh, actually we're booked solid. We're booked full uh, up through Thursday night. Friday night is our next chance to join in on one of these, so make sure you do that as soon as you can, uh, and uh, get registered for one of those. Saturday morning, we have another one, so for those of you who are like, I don't do nights, I don't get out at night, I don't drive at night, hey, we got a Saturday morning thing for you, so come to that, all right? Um, and come and be a part of it. It's just fun to be together as a church family. And then Sunday night, we have another just wide open one here at Trinity next Sunday night. And then we have a Monday afternoon one as well. Again, if you're saying, hey, I can't, I can't go out at night. We have Saturday morning this coming week, Monday night, not Monday afternoon, not this coming Monday, but the next Monday. Um, sorry, Steve, I think I'm stepping on your turf and doing the announcements already here. Uh, so... But I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm excited about this season. It's just been uh, so encouraging to be face-to-face -face with so many of you 
um, hearing what uh, you're excited about, hearing what the Lord's doing in your heart in this season. And uh, man, uh, the Lord is doing something in our midst, and we want to celebrate that. So as I said, Luke chapter 5, let's get back to it here. Um, and, and this is what I'm most excited about in this season, is, is coming before God's word and learning from Jesus, uh, learning from the master. If, if we're going to do anything in this world in terms of making disciples, we need to learn from Jesus. Not just the, what the message is that he's calling us to carry forward, but, but how to do that, how he lived, imitating him. And so last week we looked at uh, how Jesus was so intentional with Simon Peter, so intentional to build a friendship of trust. And this week uh, we're looking at how um, we're, we're, we can initiate spiritual conversations. And I'm curious for you this week, going back to the the first part of Jesus getting in the boat with Peter, being intentional to get in the boat. I'm curious, did you, did you get in the boat with anyone this week? Did you have a chance to, you know, share life with anyone this week? Did you have a chance to, you know, engage in just, just friendship this week? Um, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the opportunities that you'll have in the weeks to come with that. And, and this week, we want to look at the eye in fish of initiating spiritual conversations. And I, I think this might be the most important week in this series. Because I think for so many of us, when we think about sharing our faith, we think about building a friendship, we think about those friendships and relationships that we have, but then we just go straight to, you know, that friendship and then sharing the gospel. And so the conception that I think a lot of us have, and I think for what I had for years, is that, okay, I have this relationship with someone, I have this friendship with someone, and then at some point, I'm going to get up the, the, the courage to pop the question. If you died tonight, where would you go? You know, just out of nowhere, I'm going to ask the question. And that's, that's a great question to ask. That's a great conversation to have. But it's kind of this, I think for a lot of us, it's like this zero to 60 approach. And I, I think what we're going to see is we really look at Jesus and look at how he engaged with people. He was, again, a, the, the, he's the master. He was such a master at initiating spiritual conversations. And we want to learn from him today. And I, I think many of us, myself included, struggle with going from kind of surface relationships to then how do I, how do I just go a little deeper? How do I go deeper in conversation to more kind of substantive conversations? And, and I think... As, as I reflect, I think my fear a lot of times is that I don't want to come off as inauthentic. Like, I don't want to come off as if I'm selling something. Like, I, I want to build a friendship of trust. I want to be a trustworthy person. I want to be trusted. But I, I, I don't want my friends who aren't walking with Jesus to feel like they're a, a, a spiritual project or to feel like our relationship is some sort of like bait and switch. And so, so let's see what Jesus did. Let's see how he took the conversation to a deeper level. Let's read Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. As the, crowds were pressing, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Genezareth, also known as the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake, the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. 
Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and have caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats, boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Last week, we saw in John chapter 1 that this wasn't Jesus' first time meeting Simon Peter. Um, and in Luke 5, Jesus is intentional to get into Simon Peter's boat, to borrow his boat, to spend time in the boat with Simon Peter. And after this, he could have just said, all right, Simon, take me back to shore. I'm going to be on my way. But instead, he takes things a little deeper. And in verse 4, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. This is a very strange thing for Jesus, who's a carpenter turned rabbi, turned traveling rabbi, to say. And so Peter responds saying, uh, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've caught nothing. We've kind of, you know, we, we're sort of pros at this whole fishing thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And so there's enough of a friendship of trust established at this point that, that Simon actually engages in this, uh, in what Jesus is asking of him. And, and ultimately, there's a miracle that happens where they, they catch such a haul of fish that Simon in his boat turns to the other fishermen and says, we're going to need a bigger boat. And they come and, and help them bring in the haul of fish but again, look at how intentional Jesus is. And he, he's our model. We're, we're learning from him. We're following him. We're letting him teach us to be fishers of men. And, and Jesus is here in the boat with Simon Peter, but he doesn't just leave the relationship at kind of a shallow level. He takes it deeper. Jesus is intentional to go deeper in conversation. And he does this by saying something that would have seemed very strange, very curious to Peter, hey, let down your nets for a catch. And this request and the events that followed uh, made these men curious and ultimately led to them discovering who Jesus really is. And for many of us, I, I think we have this kind of internal conflict when it comes to taking a relationship deeper. Because we, we think we're gonna, again, come across like we're trying to sell something. A few years ago, I got a phone call from a friend that I hadn't talked to in like eight years. And it, it, like his name pops up on my phone and I'm like, wow, cool. Like this is a blast from the past. Like out of nowhere, I'm getting this phone call. And so I answer, I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, hey, Peter. So uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm working with uh, fill in the blank company now. And, and um, I'm, I'm wondering if, um, you know, here's what I'm selling. And um, I'm wondering if you'd be interested. 
ooh, you know, like, oh. And I just have such like a visceral reaction to that. And, and, and I think that's why sometimes I shy away from doing what Jesus did and going deeper in a relationship. Many of us here today would say, you know, I don't feel comfortable going deeper and bringing up spiritual things in a friendship because it's going to feel like I'm, you know, trying to sell something. And I, I, I don't want to be perceived as inauthentic. But isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't seem to have that hang up? Jesus is sitting in the boat with Peter, building this friendship, and then he goes deeper. He tests the waters here, and, and I just wonder, why, as we read through the pages of the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus' life, why didn't Jesus seem to struggle with what we so often do, of just this fear of coming across as inauthentic? Well, the answer is, I think the answer is simple. It's because he was 100% authentic. His motives were actually right and good and pure. And even if, Jesus, even if someone were to say that Jesus was kind of doing this bait and switch thing with Peter or it was just sort of a sales tactic, I mean, even if someone would say that, that'd be on them, right? Not on Jesus, because Jesus was authentic. And I think it all goes back to a conversation Jesus had with a religious expert of his day. There was an expert in the religious law that came to him and asked him a question, trying to trap him, and said, teacher, what command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus was asked this several different times. Must have been sort of a hot-button question of that day. Which law is the greatest? And so Jesus says to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. Being an everyday fisher of men ultimately is about loving God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And if we try to live out the mission of Jesus from this position of guilt, well, you know, gosh, I really should share Jesus with people and I don't know, we're in this campaign and Pastor Peter keeps talking about it and I don't know, I guess I should. Then, then the focus is on some sort of task, some sort of duty. Uh, it's like another item to check off on our to-do list. But Jesus never intended for his mission to be separated from loving God and loving others. Jesus never intended for the Great Commission to be separated from the Great Commandment. And so if we truly love Jesus, and if we're overwhelmed with gratitude, uh, for what he's done for us and truly carrying the burden of his heart and his love for the lost. You know, Jesus came into this world and he said, he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And if we're carrying that burden that he had in this world and the love that he has for those who aren't trusting him, the, the God who says, you know, before you were yet sinners, I came to you. You know, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. That's the kind of God that we serve. And if we're loving him, and we're caring about the things that he cares about, we're carrying the burden of his heart, and our ones then, they're not a project or a program, they're, they're like our, some of our best friends. 
that we love. And there's not this internal conflict inside us of this kind of fear of being perceived as inauthentic. No, we we have people in our life that we love, that we're sharing life with. And because we love Jesus and we love others, we, we want others to discover Jesus too. I want to share with you a, a, a story, just a, a really cool story from a couple guys in our church, a story that we're celebrating of just how God has worked here recently. Um, I want you to hear Dave and Carter's story and notice um, just how Dave was honest and authentic about what God was doing in his life. It wasn't until about five years ago that I made a stronger commitment to the Lord, and it was a time in my life I needed to get more serious about God, and that led to baptism two and a half, three years ago. I got baptized. I think it was March, middle of March is when I got baptized. You know, I've been trying to make the most of the relationships I still have. Is you know, everything on this earth is temporary. It's all just stuff. So Carter attends our small group now, and it's a breath of fresh air. Talking to Carter about faith has showed me that It's not something that I have to plan. It's allowing my relationship with God to become a part of my life and it will spill out into my everyday life. And that's what happened, I think, in this instance. It allowed me to have a conversation with just a a client of mine um, that led to so much more from him going to church to getting baptized, joining our small group. I'd say Dave's my friend, you know, that's who he is. He's, uh, just give me a second. (laughs) for the longest time in my life I lived very very sinful life and whatnot and I would hate to see where I'd be at without you know Dave coming into my life and the other people you know doing those things and Christ has has made me appreciate a lot of things I took for granted (laughs) I'm sorry I just it's really hard to comprehend truly unconditional love because no one is loved unconditionally no one except you know us through Christ. You know, he gave his only son for us, and it was really mind-boggling just to kind of grasp that concept. Not saying I have yet, but I feel like I have a little bit of a better understanding, and you know, it's just, I could screw up a million times, and he'd still be like, hey, I still love you, just come back home, you know? A relationship with a new believer like Carter helped me to get back to the basics. Another young couple in our small group who are on staff with Navigators, and they just They reminded me of how simple sharing the gospel can be. So to those that are maybe hesitant to sharing the gospel with somebody they might know or might not know, take a step of faith and and trust in the Lord because years ago when I was in middle school, I was maybe a little more bold in sharing my faith, but there was a, a time between middle school and now that I really did little to nothing, which is time we can't get back and I don't want to sit there regretting all of that and feel guilty about it but at the same time I think if we just take a step of faith you never know where the Lord might direct you. I feel like Dave has you know might have a spark every now and again every time he sees my name going like I didn't reap the benefits of it but Christ is but you know I help help nurture the seed there and whatnot you know I feel like it's beneficial on both sides and most definitely it's infinitely beneficial for the person who's been who's been brought to Christ.
know, we praise God for what he did in Carter's life. And it was as simple as at the beginning, uh, Dave and Carter were having a conversation. And uh, Dave just mentioned offhand, hey, I'm going to, to uh, a small group tonight. I got I to gotta go in a couple minutes because I'm headed to uh, Bible study with the church. And that sparked a conversation and sparked a curiosity that led to the opportunity to invite Carter to church, that led to the opportunity to continue to share with him and ultimately lead him to Christ, right, um, sitting in Starbucks um, one afternoon after church. And I just think of Dave and just the, you know, God's worked in his life, and he's just being honest with others about what the Lord's been doing. He's being authentic. And I think initiating spiritual conversations as we look at the life of Jesus, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as being authentic in loving God and loving others. Listen, we need, we need to stop letting the fear of being perceived as inauthentic by others keep us from being authentic with others. Do you get that? So often we're concerned about how we're going to appear. Am I going to appear authentic? And we're so obsessed with that that we actually end up being inauthentic. And if you want to form deep and lasting relationships in your life, you, you, you can't worry so much about how you're going to be perceived. You have to just be honest about who you are and about what God has done in your life. And so we're learning from Jesus that we need to first be authentic just like he was, loving God and loving others. And Jesus authentically loved people. And he was able to initiate spiritual conversations left and right. It wasn't some sort of formula. You know, it just, it just flowed. And as we look at the Gospels, I think Jesus was authentic in three different uh, key ways, probably more ways than this, but there are three, I think, key ways that often led to and fostered spiritual conversations. First, uh, Jesus paid attention. He was a master at just paying attention and noticing what was happening around him. Remember in Luke chapter 5, he is teaching the crowds and they're pressing in because they can't all hear him like they want to. And so he realizes he needs to kind of go out onto the water and use the, the natural amphitheater of the lake of Genezaret to, to be able to speak to them. And so he notices there's, there's boats. And he pays attention and he understands that, hey, here's, here's Simon Peter's boat. And I'm going to ask him to borrow his boat and get in the boat with him. And Jesus, Jesus paid attention and he saw people. And I, I wonder for us, how often do we just zone out or kind of tune out the people around us? Jesus was so good at paying attention. Another example of this is John chapter 4, the story of the Samaritan woman, the, the woman at the well. And some of you might be familiar with this story, but you can, you can flip over to John chapter 4 uh, this morning for a moment. John chapter 4 verse 4 says that he had, tr had to travel through Samaria. Jesus had to travel through Samaria, and he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So Jesus 
is just kind of passing through this town in Samaria. His disciples are going into town to get food. He sits down to rest at this well. A Samaritan woman comes to draw water, and he asks her for a drink. Later we find out that this woman has a checkered past, and it's most likely because of her checkered past that she's coming at noon to draw water in the heat of the day instead of coming in the cooler morning hours when the rest of the village women would have come to the well. But Jesus notices her. He pays attention to her. He engages in a conversation with her. And, and when we pay attention to others, it demonstrates authentic love, love of God and love for others. Because when we, when we give people our attention, we're giving them the gift of our time and we're demonstrating the value that they have as a treasure of God. And when we think of the, the enemy and what he does in this world, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Steve taught on this whole idea of the, that, that we have an enemy, an evil one. And the evil one would want to devalue us. The evil one would want to accuse and blame and shame and slander people so that they don't think they're worthy to truly be seen and noticed by God or others. And when we pay attention and notice people, we actually assign worth to them as image bearers of God. And so this is just a very simple step of being authentic, is just paying attention. And I think God was trying to drive this point home to me the other day. Um, I was at Panera, uh, which is sort of my office away from the office. Um, it's kind of the north campus of Trinity. Um, you can't go into Panera without running into somebody from our church who's like having coffee with a friend or like doing one-on-one -on -one discipleship with someone. Um, and so I, I'm there, I'm uh, at, at Panera writing uh, this sermon actually on initiating spiritual conversations. And here's a tip. If you're writing a sermon on initiating spiritual conversations, don't do it at Panera. <laughs> um, <laughs> because God's going to test you <laughs> to see if you're practicing what you're about to preach. And so, uh, literally, I'm sitting there, earbuds in, locked in, got my laptop. Clearly, I'm busy, right? And a uh, guy walks up and just starts a conversation with me. And I decided, um, because I couldn't ignore what I'd actually been working on for the last few hours, decided to shut my laptop, take the earbuds out, and engage in a conversation. And within, like, two or three minutes, man, this conversation went deep. And um, cool um, kind of setup from the Lord, I think, of a guy who would, you know, say he's a Christian like so many people do in our community, but frankly seemed like he was, you know, a lot more into his politics than into Jesus and uh, no, no connection really to a local church. And so um, I, you know, invited him at some point to our church. And what, what's crazy is a little while later, um, same thing happens. I'm working. Uh, someone else comes up to me and initiates another conversation with me. And same thing. I'm like, okay, I better put my stuff away. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me, God? I'm supposed to be writing a sermon here on initiating spiritual conversations. And you keep interrupting me with all these spiritual conversations. <laughs> and I, I just, you know, I just wonder what would happen for me, what would happen for us if um, as we lived with an authentic love for people, if we were able to notice and pay attention a little more to, to all of the people around us and all of the, 
just opportunities that we have around us just to engage in relationships and conversation. And I, I just wonder, I shudder to think how many opportunities, you know, I miss on a daily basis. Where if, you know, I'd been working on a sermon on something else that wasn't initiating spiritual conversations, maybe I would have just totally blew off the conversation. And so paying attention, and I think that's just um, in Jesus' life, and as we study what he did and how he interacted with people, he was the master at noticing people. And then listening. Second, listening. We can be authentic and demonstrate authentic love by listening to others. As Jesus talks with, whether it's you know, Simon Peter or the woman at the well, uh, it, it's a back and forth conversation. Jesus isn't doing sort of monologue with them. It's a dialogue. Jesus isn't, you know, as you look through the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, he's not just kind of preaching to her. He's, he's listening, and then he's responding. He hears her, not just what she says, but kind of what she's trying to mean and trying to say and the heart behind what she's saying. And so Jesus in this is displaying the character of God. And God is a God who listens to us. Remember that whole series we did on prayer recently? <laughs> and how God is a God who hears us and listens to our prayers. Jesus displayed this aspect of God's character as he, when he was on this earth, he listened to our questions, he listened to our concerns, he listened to our stories. Listening shows that we love others and that we want to treat others the way we want to be treated, that we care just as much about hearing as we do about being heard. And so we can be authentic in our love for God and others just by listening to them. James 1, 19 and 20 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, that's so hard to do in any relationship. Uh, it's hard to do in our marriages. It's hard to do in friendships. It's hard to do... But, you know, self-control, having the self-control to listen, uh, that, that, that aspect of self-control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit works in our life, helping us develop self-control, uh, we'll be able to listen to others, and our ability to listen is a direct correlation to our ability to have spiritual conversations. One author said, engaging in spiritual conversations without listening is like driving while blindfolded. Finally, we see Jesus being authentic by asking curious questions. Jesus constantly was asking questions that would provoke deeper conversations, that would reveal what people believed or would kind of make people think. And when, when Jesus asked the disciples to let down their nets, it led to a deeper conversation. When Jesus asked the woman at the well for a drink, it led to a deeper conversation, and Jesus is asked 183 questions in the Gospels. He answers three of them, and he asks 307 questions back. One scholar said Jesus didn't have Q&A sessions. He had Q&Q sessions. In Luke chapter 10, one example of this, uh, another time, Jesus is asked by a Bible scholar who's kind of taken shots at him, He's asked about the question of what's the greatest commandment, and Jesus returns by asking him, well, what is written in the law? How do you, how do you read it? Just a curious question. What do you think? 
And the man responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, bingo, you got it. And that leads to a whole discussion of the, the good Samaritan. And Jesus tells the parable of the good Samaritan right after that. Another example, Mark 10, 51. Jesus asks a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> like, isn't it obvious, Jesus? But he, he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Matthew 22, Jesus asked the Pharisees, hey, who, who do you, what do you think about the Messiah? Uh, who's, whose son is he? What do you think about that? Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, um, who, who are people saying that I am? And then he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I love these questions. Jesus was so good at asking questions. And I think for us, when it comes to initiating spiritual conversations, man, we... We just need to, 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 to ask the Lord to lead us in, you know, how can we listen and then ask questions? Questions um, are, are easy, you know, like, um, hey, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Or, hey, why, why do you think that's true? How did, how did you come to believe that? Or, hey, what, what do you think happens when you die? Or, um, if you could ask God a question, what would that question be? Or, you know, why do you think everything's so divisive today? Why are we all at, at each other's throat? Or, you know, how do you think the world is going to end? Like, zombie apocalypse, normal apocalypse, like, alien. Like, how do you think it's all global warming? How do you think this world's going to end? Every single one of us can pay attention, can listen, and can ask questions. I told you about the, the new friend I met at Panera the other day and my sort of nominal Christian de-churched friend that at one point as we're talking, I, I asked him because I was, you know, genuinely curious. I asked him, I said, you know, it seems like you're familiar with the Bible. It seems like you would even maybe say you're a Christian. And I'm curious, like, why aren't you a part of a church? I just genuinely wanted, wanted to know. Um, or uh, recently I was having a spiritual conversation with one of my ones and uh, We've known each other for a while, but it took like four years to get to the point where she finally told me, hey, I'm not a big fan of religion, and here's why. But since then, the, these conversations have gone so much deeper. She likes to say, you know, you just need to be a good person. That's what I believe. And so in response, I'll ask her, well, wh wh what do you think uh, is a good person? Like, um, what do you think makes up a good person? And she'll throw out a couple things to me, and she'll say, well, what do you think? And, and one time recently, uh, the Lord led me uh, to tell her and ask her, um, and I said, I said, you know, uh, in order to know whether something's good or whether someone's good, you have to know its purpose. And I said, um, you know, God kind of brought this analogy to my mind, and I, I asked her, what, what makes a good car? And she said, well, a good car uh, gets you from point A to point B. A good car doesn't break down. And I said, right. Right, a good car does what it's supposed to do. The purpose of a car is to get from point A to point B. A good car does what it's supposed to do. A bad car doesn't. A bad car breaks down. So in order to know what a good car is, we have to know the purpose of a car. And in order to know what a good human is, we have to know the purpose of a human. And what, what do you think is the purpose of humans? What do you think is our purpose? And for me, when I, when I walk into conversations. Man, I don't have kind of uh, prepared questions in mind. 
I'm just, I'm just trying to be authentic and honest about who I am and what the Lord's done in my life and what I believe. And, and then I'm begging the Holy Spirit <laughs> to give me the words to say. And so we're, again, learning from Jesus here. Jesus was the master at asking questions. He knew just what to say. He knew to, to ask Peter to let down his nets. He knew to ask the Samaritan woman for a drink. And it's easy for us to think, well, that was Jesus. I, I, I couldn't do that. But listen, you have the spirit of Jesus living in you. The same spirit that uh, raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 6.11 says, lives in us. And as we uh, practice some of these, uh, I would say, fruits of the Spirit, of just loving others, listening to others, asking questions, being authentic, then the Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will lead you. You can trust him. I want you to hear from someone else in our church this morning, someone else that I think um, uh, is, is just, as, as I've heard some of the stories that she shared and just some of what um, God's been able to do through her over the past couple years um, and, and beyond that, someone that I have grown to just respect as someone who's honest and outspoken about their faith. And uh, many of you know Pastor Josh uh, Colson, who's um, relaxing in Jackson right now, I've heard, uh, at basic training. And uh, so we're just excited to um, pray for him and support him in that. But uh, today we're going to hear from his uh, wife. If you haven't met her, Kristen Colson, why don't you welcome her as she comes? Well, welcome, Kristen. Um, what do you, first off, what are you hearing from, sorry, what are you hearing from Josh these days? Step yeah. up a little bit for Sorry, he's doing good. <laughs> good. He's made it down there and, you know, learning lots already, so. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we, we just want to pick your brain a little bit about uh, what does it look like for you to initiate spiritual conversations. Uh, for those who don't know, um, Kristen, you're a para in one of our public schools in the area. Um, and so what, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's wanting to learn how to have spiritual conversations, maybe at work or just with friends? Um, or, you know, that aren't walking with Jesus and maybe they don't really know where to start, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would say is just to start praying about it. I think that's the most important thing that we can do. Um, if we want to be sharing Jesus with our friends, we have to be bringing that before the Lord. And so I would say pray often, pray specifically, and then, you know, look for how God um, works. I think that is the first step in the process. But then I think just um, being a faithful presence with our friends is the next thing we need to do. If we aren't spending time with them and initiating with non-believers in our life, then when are we going to have those, you know, spiritual conversations with them? And so I think it takes a big sacrifice of time and looking for opportunities to spend time with those around us. Um, and then as we do that, we get to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and, and be authentic like Peter's talking about. As If we are loving the Lord and loving others, then that should be naturally flowing out of us. And so uh, when we spend time with people, they should see that hope that we have in Jesus and they should experience that. But I think that as we're authentic, they're also going to, you know, hopefully be brought into what that looks like in the kingdom of God, whether that's, you know, 
praying for a meal and inviting them to do that with you, or uh, maybe them noticing that you made a funny decision because of, you know, you're following Jesus and welcoming them into why you made that decision. Um, or maybe it's just really sharing with them what's going on in your heart. And sometimes that can be awkward because you know that they don't agree. Um, but really being authentic in how God's working in your life. And so I think being who God's made you to be and actually being willing to share that is, is a huge part of initiating those conversations. Thanks, Kristen. What role do you think listening plays? Because I, I think you're a great uh, listener. And how do you think you've been able to um, kind of display, obviously we talked about displaying God's character in that, but what role do you think listening plays in having those kinds of conversations? Yeah, um, I think that's one of the key things that we can do in having spiritual conversations um, is, is listening. And I think just like Peter shared, that's exactly what Jesus did in his ministry. And so we have to be active listeners of people and paying attention to what's going on in their lives and in their hearts um, and really showing that we value them and care for them. And I think listening and, and being a good question asker of people really shows them that we value them as people um, and shows them that value that God has for them um, as well. Um, I think it also shows that we do in fact care about their worldviews and their opinions and that we want to know them as a person, um, just like God wants to know them as a person. And show it, so it just shows value and care for them as we ask questions. Um, if I could just share a story about asking questions and listening well to people. Um, a few years ago, I was showed up to one of my kids' baseball games and, you know, sat down next to one of the moms on the bleachers, and not one that I had really talked to very many times, but just asked her, hey, how was your week? You know, kind of the normal question, and she was like, it was, I'm, I'm doing good, you know, and I kind of noticed, I don't think she's actually doing very good, and so um, I think by listening to her, I noticed that and was able to ask another question and uh, just ask her, well, you said you were good, but you didn't seem like you were really doing good. You know, what's going on? Are you okay? And she ended up kind of opening up. And again, this wasn't somebody I knew very well, but she really started opening up about what was going on in her life and a lot of the struggles that her family was having. And um, it was just amazing that by um, noticing her and listening well to her, how she really wanted to share what was going on and felt valued and cared for. And, you know, from there, we really started to develop, to develop a trusting friendship um, that God continued to use. And so obviously every conversation doesn't go that easily and smoothly, but I feel like it's just a good example of being a good question asker and listening well to people and how God really does use that to draw out the hearts of our friends and, um, yeah, just give us opportunities to be a light um, wherever he puts us. Well, Kristen, one last question, and you know, you work in a public school, and there are, I think, a lot of folks that work in public environments, whether it's a school or some sort of kind of secular workplace, there's just this fear that if I'm, if I'm honest about my faith, if I'm outspoken about my faith, you know, I'm going to be uh, fired or my job's on the line. Um, how do you kind of respect that role of working in a public environment, secular environment, and still kind of be honest and outspoken? about your faith? Yeah, um, it's been a big learning curve for me, I think, as you know, I've done full-time ministry for so many years um, and just working in um, a secular job. And so it's been 
uh, fun journey to see how the Lord has just grown that. But I think wherever God places me, God's called me to be a faithful witness and to just be a redemptive presence for him. And so um, I, I don't shy away from sharing my faith with my coworkers because that's who God's called me to be. And I think it's who God's called all of us to be as believers. And so, um, yeah, I think a lot of that looks like just spending time with people and being willing to lay down my time um, and my energy in order to invest in those relationships, uh, whether that's with my coworkers or with the students that I work with. Um, I think it just takes that intentionality of building relationships in order to be that friend that they trust and that you can really share life with and uh, that they will share their lives with. Um, but I think it's also a big part of that is living out of who God's called me to be in the workplace. And so whether that's the way that I work and the character that I uh, display, hopefully that that is showing Jesus in the way that I work and also the way I treat my coworkers and the students I work with. Um, you know, Lord willing, they're seeing um, that value that God has for them displayed in me. And so I think that that is a huge role. So I'm not, you know, sharing the gospel from the front of a classroom or something, but I get to, um, yeah, share the hope uh, that I have in Jesus by the way that I live my life, and hopefully they are experiencing Jesus. But then through that, I get to have a lot of conversations um, with people um, that just naturally flow um, because of those relationships we're building. Um, and I think a lot of that doesn't necessarily happen at work. Um, so I think a big encouragement that I would say is just build relationships that are going to, you know, maybe be outside of the working walls. And especially if you uh, feel like you're kind of in a hostile working environment, like initiate outside of work, invite someone to, you know, coffee or lunch with you on your lunch break or invite your, their family into your home. Um, look for opportunities to engage with them. Maybe you have a hobby you both love or you both, you know, work out in the mornings, work out together. I think that if you just can find time to spend time with people um, and build those trusting friendships with them, that it's just amazing to see how the Lord works uh, just naturally as we are living our lives um, alongside them and, and sharing Jesus with them. Um, and so I think, yeah, it can be, you got to be a little creative sometimes, um, but yeah, it's amazing to see how the Lord works by just being present with people and, and being a faithful witness to them. So. Awesome. Well, thank you. Let's show Kristen some appreciation for sharing. Well, I just love so much of what we heard there, and I think that, um, man, I, I feel like I'm learning all the time um, about how the Lord can use me. Just, I love that picture of a faithful witness wherever God puts us. And uh, the idea of like, it may not be from the front of a classroom, but you can, you can talk about Jesus on your lunch break with someone um, and have those intentional conversations. Uh, one one um, pastor, author I read this week talked about, you know, preaching the gospel is just as simple as being completely honest. Um, Initiating spiritual conversations is just about being authentic, being honest. And it's as simple as loving God and loving others. So I think we can't be so obsessed with appearing authentic to those around us. And instead, we need to put our energy into actually being authentic. 
And so for many of us, man, we are just celebrating in this season how so many of us, like, like Dave, uh, like Kristen, as we've heard some different stories and examples today, are, are living this out. And we could tell so many more stories in this season. And for us, we want to, we wanna, again, double down on that. We want to be fully engaged, everyone every day, fully engaged in a movement of disciples who make disciples. And so we believe just fully that this is God's heart. This is God's heart for our community, that God loves those who aren't yet walking with him. And that's why he sent Jesus into the world. And that's why he sends us into the world. And he, he wants to call them back home. He came to seek and save the lost. And so we're just believing and trusting that as, um, as we're loving God and loving others and just seeking to be faithful with where he puts us, that um, God's going to work in the midst of those relationships. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for today and for um, just the example that you give us in your word. Uh, the example of Jesus and um, how we're following a Savior who didn't just come and uh, tell us what to do and how to live and uh, what to, to do as his disciples, but a Savior who actually uh, modeled for us and gave us a, a perfect example. And so we want to follow you, Jesus. That's our heart. That's our desire. We want to follow you. And we just uh, know that we, we need you. We need your spirit to be empowering us, emboldening us, giving us the words to say. Um, we need you every day um, as we walk with you and follow you and seek to be disciples who make disciples. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.